Hey folks, thank you for tuning into the Grad School Sucks podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Carlson, and each week I'll be bringing you conversations that will help grad students like you survive grad school and thrive in a post-grad school career. If you end up enjoying today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the description of this episode for links to everything that we talk about today. Without further ado, let's start the episode. Hey folks, welcome to today's episode on showing your work to industry recruiters. But first, before we get started, I've got a couple things that I want to go over. The first thing, just want to send out a general reminder that I am changing everything soon. I'm changing the name that this podcast is under, changing the website that I'm coming from, I'm changing the names of my social accounts, Uh, I'll be changing the logo, and I'm also changing the style of content to fit where I am in life, which is I'm a former grad student now working in an industry setting. So those changes are coming. I'm going to keep talking about them as they arrive, and I'll keep on communicating. I just want you to be looking for it in the future. The next thing, I am uh, considering putting together some kind of summer boot camp that covers the process of going from uh, your uh, graduate student education or maybe your job in academia into industry, aka the private sector, aka the business world. So if that is something you are interested in, please consider filling out the survey that I have to gather information on that. You can click the link in this episode description to go directly to the survey. That'll help me understand uh, what people are looking for in terms of the topics and the format and other deliverables, as well as it'll give you an opportunity to hear more about that moving forward. So check the description for this episode to find that link. Next one stickers so like you've probably heard before i make stickers on a monthly basis now and so i have new stickers coming out today as of me recording it so by the time you hear this it'll be thursday so the day after they are being released some of them will probably still be around uh this month's sticker packs is themed on study habits so If you're interested in kind of fun little stickers themed around study habits, then uh, I'll have a link for that in the description of this episode that you can click and go check those out as well. Fourth thing, before we get to our topic, and last thing, I am uh, going to start adding in static intros and outros to these podcast episodes. I've really enjoyed doing the custom ones for uh, specifically for every interview that I have because I think it allows me to give a little more information um, at the beginning as to what you're about to listen to as well as at the end to kind of drive some key points home. At the end of the day, I'm actually running out of time in terms of content creation. And so one of the things that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be trying to streamline a lot of what I do. And so some of that is going to be these static intros and outros. So you are hearing the first ones today. Um, so today we'll have the static intro and then at the end it'll have the static outro. And those will be what you hear moving forward at least for the time being. I'm not going to say that I'm never going to go back to the custom intros and outros, but just for the next couple of months, 
I'm just a little too busy right now to be able to provide that kind of like customization for every single episode. So now on to today's episode, portfolios. So I'm going to answer two key questions. Well, maybe three uh, about portfolios. So first one is what is a portfolio project? Second one is why should you do a portfolio project? And then the last one will just be three tips on how to get started with your portfolio project. So a portfolio project is simply an, an example project that's representative of your work and the work that you do. And so I think the easiest way to think about this in academia are your publications. So your publications basically show people, this is what I can do. You know, these are the topics I'm interested in. These are the methods that I use. This is the quality of work that I have. These are the quality of findings that I tend to be able to produce. And that shows your body of research and what you can do. And so in industry, there are similar things. Obviously, this is dependent on the field you're going into. But in the field that I went to and in the fields I'm looking to go into in the future, uh, portfolios are very much a thing. People have portfolio projects and they usually host them online at an online portfolio or a portfolio website. Uh, you can host them at things like GitHub and other uh, repositories if that is consistent with the kind of job you're going to get into. But the most common thing is simply to have like a Squarespace website and just host your portfolio project there. So I first learned about portfolio projects when I was becoming a data analyst. And this takes me back in time a little bit, I think like uh, over a year ago, a year and a half ago. So I started looking at becoming a data analyst after I had left academia. I was doing different entrepreneurial things at that time. I had some Airbnbs uh, that I was managing and I had an e-commerce thing that I was into and I had a few other odds and ends kinds of jobs that I was uh, working on. And I was slowly thinking about making the total shift to industry. And data analyst was kind of the first thing that I thought of because I loved analyzing data. So back during that period of time, I applied to, I think over 200 jobs. I have a rough estimate saved somewhere, but I think it was about 200 jobs. And I hadn't really done anything to prepare for that job search. I didn't have a great resume. I hadn't upskilled at all. And I hadn't created a portfolio website. And I got very few callbacks and I got no job offers. I may have gotten one that was like below uh, the income that I was willing to consider. Um, but I, I got very little interest when I was applying to jobs then. Fast forward about a year, I was still, I had that interest in uh, becoming a data analyst. I was doing entrepreneurial things, but I was kind of getting a little bit burnt out and meeting, hitting some dead ends where I knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing forever. And so I decided to go back and become or apply to become a data analyst again, but I was going to do a better job this time. And so what I did was I created a much better resume and I spent a lot of time upskilling, which we won't get to today, but that's associated with portfolio projects. Um, basically upskilling is just learning new skills. For me, it was learning new programming languages. So I was familiar with M plus and uh, SPSS and SAS and things like that. But in industry, folks were looking for skills more associated with like SQL or SQL and R 
and Python. And so I had to spend some time, or I spent some time learning those things, and I actually used those to create my portfolio project, which I hosted on my portfolio website. So I did a whole bunch of work on the front end to get myself ready for the job search, and then I applied to another 200 jobs. I got several callbacks, probably around a dozen callbacks, and I ended up getting two job offers, one of which I accepted, and I still have that job today. I cannot say that the thing that pushed me over the edge in Job Search 2 that I was missing in Job Search 1 is the portfolio, but I think it was all of it together. I think all of those things helped me build more inertia with recruiters that gathered more interest, and eventually that interest boiled into two offers. I did actually ask my manager recently uh, what it was that uh, compelled him and the team to give me the offer, and I forgot to ask him specifically about my portfolio website, but he did mention it was my experience in data analysis that I already had. I had a familiar background in the industry. Uh, I currently work in healthcare, and I previously served as a mental health clinician. I have some experience both providing mental health care as well as billing insurance. And then I interviewed really well. Um, but I, I think the portfolio, even if it didn't play a role in that job, it played a role in my job search in general. And I dug back into my Squarespace analytics. And during the two months that I was looking for jobs, it was June and July of last year, I believe. My portfolio got over 200 hits total in those two months. And some of those were not going to be recruiters. Probably only half were recruiters or people actually interested in uh, looking at me for a job. Some of those were probably friends and family because I think I posted a link to my page on some of my personal socials. But I have to imagine that a lot of those hits actually were recruiters and that drove a fair amount of interest into folks interviewing me for those positions. Portfolios are a big part of showing that you can do the job. Again, I want to re-emphasize that this is industry dependent. So some industries, um, portfolios really don't serve much of a purpose. If you're going into sales, you know, I don't really know how a portfolio would really apply. Uh, but if you are going into an industry like data analytics or market research or UX research or even uh, data science or anything that where you can put together kind of like a technical example of what you're capable of. Portfolios can be a great way of convincing recruiters that they should pursue you for an opening. And that's because recruiters need to see your work. It's simply too easy to write that you have skills onto like a resume or a cover letter. That really doesn't demonstrate anything. It simply demonstrates that you were able to read the job description, know what they're looking for, and then you can copy and paste it into your resume. And I think particularly for graduate students who have most or all of their work experience in academia, I think portfolios are particularly important for us. And that's because we don't have any experience that the industry world understands. And I, I, think, I think recruiters who are looking at grad students are often in the position of seeing us as either overqualified because we have a PhD and they think that we're going to want to 
have like a super large salary that they won't afford, or they see us as underqualified because we don't have any direct industry experience doing the work that they want us to be doing. I think portfolios are a great way to bridge this gap to show them that we can do the work that is required for the jobs that they're hiring for. I can. I already know that a lot of PhD students are a little hesitant to do portfolios. And I think some of the language that I've heard around this has uh, goes something along the effect of like, why would I do work for free to get a job? And on the one sense, I understand, you know, we worked, I worked for uh, almost a decade, eh, not quite a decade, but you know, like eight years to get my master's and then PhD. I worked a long time. I put in a lot of work. I think I uh, did a lot of great work, if I'm being honest, during that period of time. And to have to do work for free just to show that I'm qualified enough to get a job in industry does feel a little, I don't know, feels a little iffy to me. But at the same time, I think it's helpful to take the recruiter's perspective. Recruiters are more, recruiters are generally going to be more willing to bet on someone who potentially has less drive and um, less intellectual curiosity, but who actually has done the job before, because it's a safe bet. That person will fill that role, they'll probably do an adequate job, and they'll stay in that position for six to 12 months without leaving or getting fired. And that recruiter will probably get some kind of benefit from it. Either they get a pat on the back, maybe they get some kind of like monetary reward. Um, and so recruiters are basically taking bets on applicants that are coming in and they don't want to take a bet on someone who might be really promising, but there's no hard evidence that they can actually do the work. And so when it comes to putting together a portfolio, I say, I understand that we've already done a ton of free labor to get where we are and that we don't want to do anymore but meet the recruiters halfway. I, I really encourage people who are getting their first industry job to consider meeting the recruiters halfway by creating a portfolio. Just gain their trust in your skills and more in particular, gain their trust in the fact that you can translate your academic skills into industry value. I know the next obvious question is how to do this. How do you actually put together a portfolio project? And that is way out of the scope of what I can cover in this now, it looks like at least 15 minute podcast episode. So I'm going to give you a couple tips on how to get started. And the first thing I'm going to say right off the bat is it really depends on what kind of job you're looking for, what kind of field you're going into. Some jobs, some fields don't use portfolios at all. They're not going to look at them and it would be a waste of your time to put them together. Some fields really, really need the portfolios. And even for folks who already have maybe a decade of work experience, portfolios can still play a role in their next job search. So it depends on the job you're going in for. And again, the starting place is the same as what I talked about in, uh, I believe, our last episode, which was informational interviewing. The people you interview for your informational interviews are your guides. They are the ones who have gone before you, they have blazed the trail, they have made that transition from academia to industry. So 
look to them. Now, if you're if you're following what I recommended in the last time, you're reaching out to 15, 20 to 25 people so that you can hopefully be able to get five to 10 informational interviews under your belt. And so when you do those informational interviews, again, try to keep them short, 20 to 30 minutes. We want to respect people's time. Try to gather as much information as you can about what their job is like, what they like about it, and what you'd need to do to get a job like that. Try to get a copy of their resume, like I said last time, that can be really vital. And when you're doing that, ask them about portfolios. Ask them about if they're uh, critical, ask them if they have a portfolio project that you can look at. And I would guess if you've got five to 10 people, then maybe like three or four are gonna have portfolios if you're in a field where it actually makes sense. Um, so they're gonna have portfolios that you can look at. And this is exactly what I did. Um, I, I didn't do informational interviews per se to find the portfolios, but I looked at what other people were doing uh, for portfolio projects in similar fields. So look at what the people you're doing informational interviews with are doing for their portfolios. That's gonna be a valuable guide to show you the, uh, what really what it looks like um, how much depth you need to go into and kind of the scale that you need to do. The second thing I would say for portfolio projects is tailor it to the industry that you are pursuing jobs in. So for me, I was pursuing healthcare jobs primarily. I did apply outside that, but healthcare was kind of the world that I wanted to stay in because I already had experience analyzing health related data. I already had experience as a healthcare provider, and I already had experience in the insurance side of healthcare, which can be really complicated. I already had all that knowledge, and so that's what I was going for. So when I did my portfolio project, which I will link to in the description of this episode, I used public healthcare data, and I analyzed that data to produce an outcome that I felt would be compelling for folks who are in the industry space, who are in the healthcare space. Um, also, I used, in doing the project, I used the tools that I would expect them to be using. I used SQL, I didn't use SPSS. So whenever you get to the part of your portfolio where you're actually showing that you did the work yourself, whether you're showing the code that you used or you're showing a short video of you running the code, you should actually be using the tool that is the standard in your industry. Again, things like M plus, SPSS are really not used in industry so much. Things like SQL and Python are used much more. R is hit and miss. I've heard a lot of startups use R because it's free, um, but a lot of more enterprise, larger businesses won't use R. And then SAS was kind of an outlier because I thought, I saw it as more of an academic tool, but actually I, I use SAS in my job today in healthcare, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so again, but tailor your portfolio to the industry you're, you're pursuing. If you're, going, if you're doing something with data, use data from that industry. Tell a business story from that industry. So it could be something in healthcare, it could be something in marketing, it could be something in the small business world, but use something that is speaking the language of the recruiters whose jobs you are selectively applying to. Last thing, 
when you're making your portfolio, it is critical to keep it simple. When I look at my old portfolio, I cringe because it was just too much. I, I, I did too many steps. I think I, I over explained things way too much in the video that I created. I don't even think it's really that critical that you make a video. I've seen a lot of portfolios where it was literally just text on a page and you just scrolled through the text and you got a good understanding of what the person did. You saw screenshots of the code that they used and that's enough to be able to tell recruiters, hey, this person actually does know how to code in these programs. And then um, they had like graphics of the results um, and, and, and that was enough. So keep it simple. Keep it something that people will actually consume. Keep it something that people will actually understand. Again, my website got, um, I think like two, 200 plus hits. And I believe the last time I looked at my um, video analytics for the videos I created for my portfolio, I think it was less than 50. So most people that were coming to my websites weren't even actually playing my video to see my portfolio project. Again, maybe in some industries, the video is exactly what you need. In other industries, it won't be. And that comes back to doing those informational interviews and uh, talking with your informational interviewees about what they're doing and what is the standard for your industry. So that is all the time I have for you today on making a portfolio and showing your work to industry recruiters. Again, I can, I, I know it can kind of make you cringe to think that you're going to have to do more free work to get a job. And maybe you weren't expecting to go into industry. And so now you're just extra kind of bummed out because uh, that's on your mind. And I understand that place and look at it from the perspective of a recruiter you're already a little bit of a black box coming to them because you've got a PhD or you've got a master's degree or maybe you're leaving grad school and you're making this shift in your career to something completely new. And, you know, in reality, maybe many things will be similar, but the recruiter might not see it that way. Consider meeting the recruiter halfway. Create a portfolio that tells a compelling story that you have the skills needed to uh, do the job that they are looking to fill. Anyway, I hope that is helpful. Uh, be sure to look at the description of this episode for links to everything that I talked about, including my own portfolio. That is not perfect, but it is an example of a portfolio for a data analyst in healthcare. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all next time. Folks, thank you for tuning into the Grad School Sucks podcast. I hope you got a lot out of our episode today. If you did, please consider leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the description of this episode for links to everything that we covered today. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Matt Carlson, and I look forward to bringing you another great episode next week. See y'all next time.